I, uh, I remember the first time I really felt gripped by the, the word of God and um, t- happened when I was a, a, a young man. By the grace of God, I had grown up in a godly home. My parents had us in church and uh, so grateful for that. I was a pretty decent, uh, good kid, I guess you might call it that, but I hadn't really been awakened to this life that you can have in Jesus until I was in youth group. I was in seventh grade, and the leaders of the, our youth pastor and youth ministry thought it would be a good idea to have student-led small groups, which is, um, I'm thinking as a seventh grader, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but that's what we were doing. So they invited, and so I remember my youth pastor sat me down, and um, he said, I'm, I would like you to consider being a student uh, small group leader for seventh graders. And it just, it jarred me for a moment because I didn't see myself in that light. And all of a sudden, I was confronted with, hey, okay, there's this huge, amazing, wonderful book, this Bible thing that I, I don't really know. I, I know some about Jesus has been in kids' ministry for a while, but I don't know that I know. And I, I remember at that time I had two scriptures I knew backwards and forwards, two scriptures my parents had placed deep, deep in, into my soul, known in my whole life. One was John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. I knew that scripture, known that scripture. The other scripture my parents had poured into me was Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That was it. I knew those two scriptures and uh, I've known them my whole life. But I just realized there is a massive amount, a, a universe of truth in front of me. And I remember feeling both sobered, like, oh my gosh, what does it mean to engage and to know and to dive into the word, but then also this wonder, like there is more than I could ever possibly imagine here to know. And I actually think that is the attitude that God wants us to bring to the word, to be sobered and to have wonder and hope. And the beautiful thing is, is I've been now studying this book for the vast majority of my life. I've been in full-time ministry where I've been preaching almost every week uh, for now 22 or more years, been doing this. And I can honestly say I still feel uh, coming to this book incredibly sobered, awakened, and I feel a ton of hope and, and wonder because I've I've learned a lot more of it, and I can promise you this, I haven't even begun to scratch the surface at the same time. And I think that is what is happening here uh, as Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. It's this one letter that he actually writes where he's not really trying to speak to any, uh, any particular issue or problem. Uh, he's not really speaking on a personal level what the book of Ephesians, which has become really probably my favorite book, if, you can have a, if you're allowed to have a favorite book in the Bible. 
is probably this one. I, I think Romans is amazing. Obviously, the Gospels and the declaration of who Jesus is, those are incredible. And Psalms, it's all awesome. But if you give me one book, I'm telling you, Ephesians is this unbelievable theological declaration of what God is doing. And he goes through this powerful uh, discourse on this, how God is going to bring all things under him, everything that's broken and everything that is in him. And he's going to unify it all. He's going to unify his people. He's going to bring us to him and how he's going to do it. And then he's going to finish this letter to this church, asking us to feel sobered and to have hope and wonder all at the same time. To be awakened and aware, which I can't think of, there's, there's never been a more important hour to be sobered and aware right now. And I'm sure Paul felt that way as well. To be sobered and aware and awake, but to have hope and wonder at the same time. And that's where he's gonna lead us in Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna, just gonna start here in verse 10. He's concluding this letter. And here's what he wants to say. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, be strong in the Lord here. I'm mean, a more literal rendering is strengthen yourselves in the Lord. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord. Now, uh, that sounds amazing. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord. Do you know where Paul is when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. He's in Rome, and he's in jail. He is quite literally shackled to another human being, a Roman guard, in house arrest. And he's making this declaration to this church and he's going to point out and say, listen to me, you need strength no matter what your circumstance is because your freedom is not dependent upon your circumstances. We're talking about this series called True Freedom in Christ. The man is literally in shackles and he's saying that is not how you experience freedom. You will experience freedom when your heart gets opened up to receiving the power and the truth of the word of God. Meaning this, what he's saying, when he's saying be strengthened or strengthen yourself in God, what he's saying is your freedom, my freedom depends on how hard we lean into God regardless of the circumstance. That's actually how you and I will experience freedom. That's where it's going to come from. This word that is sobering and full of hope. Now listen, we were talking about this this morning with our team before. Every one of us is living on a scale of one to 10 all the time. Every one of us is living on a scale of one to 10, one being this is painful, sad, disheartening, depressed, really 
uh, difficult hour of life all the way to 10, there has never been a greater moment than what I'm experiencing right now, right? And everywhere in between. And the reality is, is for the vast majority of life, we feel good coasting at like five or six. Nothing too bad and nothing too amazing. Often, candidly, afraid of the fringes, of experiencing the fringe uh, realities that we all walk through in this life, right? Because you can go to 10 and the truth of God coming into him actually allows you to fully experience the 10 because there are many of us who we get into the moments of 10 in our lives and all we're thinking is, well, when's the bottom gonna drop out? And what's around the corner that's gonna steal this moment? The truth of God actually coming and strengthening ourselves in him allows us to be in the 10 and to be able to rejoice and not be afraid. And conversely, when you and I sit in the one, and we've all been in the one or the two or the three, and you're going like, I don't know how I'm going to move forward. When we lean into and strengthen ourselves in the power and the truth of the word of God, then all of a sudden, when everything's like it feels like it's crumbling, there's an anchor to put your soul in. When you have the truth of God's word, he gives us the ability to actually fully go into the one and the 10 and everything in between because he's actually there no matter what. Now, the promise here, church, is not that God will always fix the one, twos, and threes right away. Paul's in prison. He's never going back to Jerusalem. We know for sure he was in prison for two years. He might have had a few more years of ministering before Nero had him executed. That was where, listen, doing the will of God, giving his full heart to what God had for him. It doesn't preach amazing, but it is true. This is where he's at. He's, it's, not, it's, it's not a 10 moment for him. But he's saying, we can be sobered and awake at the hour I'm in, but I can have hope and wonder always because the word of God never leaves me. Never, never leaves. He carries us in the one and he lifts us up in the 10. And so he's gonna give us some instruction on how to walk in actual freedom that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not there are actual shackles on your life. Ephesians 6, here's what he says, verse 11. So strengthen yourself in the Lord and then put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, how's he saying this? 
He's in jail. And he recognizes something. There's a spiritual reality going on here that goes far beyond what's in the natural. And we're meant to be a people who put on what he's going to call the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy. Now, the easiest thing in the world for Paul to do is to begin to start blaming for where he's at. He's in, a, he's in the one, the two, the three. And the easiest thing in the world, he could blame Rome. He can blame society. He can blame unfair rules. He can blame the Jewish community that did not. They were against him because he was bringing all these Gentiles into this faith that they'd been grafted into. The problem is he's not blaming anyone because he knows who's in control. He knows what's happening. He says, there is right now a supernatural war that is actually taking place over your heart and your mind, over my heart and my mind right now. And we can get caught up in the circumstances, but he knows who's in control. He knows who has him in jail. And it isn't Rome. And hear this. It isn't the devil really either. Now, I have no question that the enemy gets to have his day in trying to wreak havoc in our lives. In fact, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's the thing. What Paul is able to do is to be anchored in the truth of God's word and what the Lord would have him call him to. He's able to sit in it because he knows this. The reason that Paul is in jail is that God has him there in this moment. God has Paul in jail. And he knows it. You know how he knows it? Because he's gone through this before. This is not his first rodeo, by the way, of being in jail. What he tells the Philippian church is this in Philippians chapter four. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. He'd been talking about being in need. Not that I'm just speaking about being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How, how can you be content when you're in the one? We're talking about actual freedom. You talk about freedom in Christ sounds so amazing when life is going well. How do we experience freedom in Christ when life isn't really going that well? Is it actually possible for us to experience that kind of fullness in relationship with Jesus when life isn't going that well? And he's saying, I've actually learned that in whatever situation I can be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound, meaning I I know how to do one, and I know how to do 10. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying is God is in this with me. You might even find yourself in a one, a two in your life that you have absolutely zero control over. 
Because the, the times we're in the ones and the twos where we've made some bad decisions, man, that, those are the ones we try to work ourselves out of. And the Lord's saying, no, no, no. In the one and the two, whether it's in your control or outside of your control, I've learned that he's like, I've learned the secret. I can do all things because he's with me. But hear this, listen. He's saying, listen, if God has me, but if God has me in the one, then God has me here. It, let me say it again. If God has me, you say, God has me. He's got me. He's got me. If God has me, then he has me here. It may not have been a choice, a place you decided to be, but if God has you, then he has you here, and he has something to release and reveal. God has Paul, and in this moment, God has Paul in jail. Let me say it again. God has Paul. He's got him. You ever said that? Like, I got you. You ever said that? I said that many, many times, usually on the basketball court. I got you, bro. God's saying, I got you. But what he's got you is in jail. And that might mess with you a little bit. But God is saying, freedom, your freedom today is not dependent upon whether or not you have these physical shackles on you or not. He's either real and can bring fullness of life no matter the circumstance, or he's a sky fairy. It's, there's no in-between. And he's real. Now, let me ask you this question. Is God in a panic because Paul is in jail? Is God panicking because Paul is in jail? I'm genuinely asking. Do you think God's going, oh my gosh, this guy's supposed to write like two-thirds of the New Testament. What am I going to do? Is God in a panic? No, he's not in a panic. Is God in a panic because Rome rules the world and it's deeply pagan? Is God in a panic because Rome is ruling the earth and it's deeply pagan and broken? Is God in a panic? Freedom in Christ either is real and has to come above every circumstance or it's not real at all. It's a, it's a joke. And that's what Paul is trying to make a declaration about here. There's all kinds of principalities and darkness. My war is not against flesh and blood here. This war, this battle, this is actually principalities that have come against me. But what do I know is that God has me. And if he has me, then he has me here for a reason. Is God in a panic because the churches are struggling to stay on message with the gospel? Is God in a panic? The answer is no. Then what that means is God sees us and knows us when we're in our one, and he knows exactly where he's leading us and taking us. And you and I can have actual freedom in him in this moment. And he's here with the two and the three and the four, five, and six, and the seven, eight, nine, and 10. He's got it all. And it's either real or it's not. And we can either lean into him or not. And he's saying, there's a principalities going on trying to bring you down. Do you trust me?
The ability to actually be free in Christ depends on how you answer these questions. Is God in a panic or not over where you're at? Or does he see you, know you, and he's ready to speak his truth in life and bring you through? And that's where he's leading Paul. If you're fearful of the days ahead, then let these words from the Holy Spirit through this apostle who's in literal chains wash over you. There are principalities trying to bring you down, but God has you. And he has you here in this moment. Sometimes he has you here and everywhere in between. And he says in verse 13, then take up again the whole armor of God. Okay, meaning this, God's not, um, God isn't trite and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't do halfway into your situation. God is all in on your situation, all in. Let me say this again. God is all in on your situation, the one and the 10 and everywhere in between, he's all in. And so what he's gonna say is then take up the whole armor of God. And what does he say? That you may be able to withstand the day of evil, the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Now, he's saying this word over and over again. He's saying, stand. I want you to stand firm, withstand the evil day, stand firm. He said it earlier, stand. It's actually a military term. Histemi is the word in Greek, actually means to hold fast. Now, how many of you have ever seen, have you ever seen Academy Award-winning movie Braveheart? Great movie. I'm not necessarily encouraging you to. It's pretty brutal. But there is an, a battle scene in which they are taking on the evil enemy, and uh, there's one instruction. It's not time to go on offense. He's saying, Hold, stand, stand. He actually says, hold. He's screaming, hold, hold until the final moment when it's actually time to move. And what Paul is saying, what the Holy Spirit's saying to us right now is, put on the whole armor of God, whatever your circumstance, you're in the five, you're in the six, you're in the one, you're in the 10, put on the whole armor of God so that you are able to withstand the evil day, done all to be able to stand firm, hold fast to this moment. You're gonna put this armor on. By the way, guess who he's chained to? A Roman guard. He's looking at the dudes. He's looking at what the dude's wearing. And he's going, oh, I know the battle I'm in. The enemy's trying to destroy me. The enemy's trying to destroy me. Come on. The enemy is trying to destroy you. He hates you. Can't stand you. Doesn't want joy for you. Doesn't want life for you. Is constantly seeding lies over your life. Coming to destroy all the beautiful things that God has crafted and designed you to be able to do. And so Paul's saying, I'm in chains. I know what it means to have plenty and to have nothing. And here's what I know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So hold fast and put on the whole armor of God. Let the truth of God actually come over you, change your perspective, and move you forward in what I have for you in this life. That's what he's actually saying. Paul's actually saying, hey, how grounded are you actually in the rock of ages? That's what we actually get to be confronted with. 
How grounded are you in the rock of ages? I want to be grounded in him in the nines and the tens of life. I just, but I want to be grounded. I want to hold fast in the ones and the twos. And I know some of your stories. I love, so I love this church so stinking much. I've heard some of your stories. Some of you have been in these ones and twos. Some of you aren't even far removed from them. You're so grateful because I've seen God hold you in the ones and twos and bring you through. We've all been there. How grounded are you? It's not about how spiritual you are. It's not about how charismatic or good looking or influential you are. It's not about how popular you are or how learned you are or how successful you are or how awesome your career is going or your ministry is. The simple question is, how grounded are you in the rock of ages? How grounded are you in the truth of the son of God? Because that is where your freedom actually exists. That's it. That's it. I want to ask God to take us. Listen, if you found yourself in the ones and twos, I'm asking God, pull us, take us out, deliver us, pull, bring us into fullness of life. We want to pray those prayers. But as we sit in those places, as Paul did in his own shackles, put on the whole armor of God and hold fast, even in the evil day, because I'm coming with my promises. There's all kinds of ways that you and I can look at the scope of our lives and think, well, if I have this, if I could do this, if we could just get to this spot, if we could just accomplish this, if we didn't have to have this, or if we didn't have that in our life, then everything would be okay. And the Lord wants to say, hey, I want your heart okay in me. I'll, I'll work with you on the circumstances, but I first and foremost want you to hold fast and put on the whole armor of God. Trust me. There might be a day coming where you are in prison for the sake of the name of Jesus. And I don't like to be doomsday. We have brothers and sisters who do this all over the earth all the time. And we've enjoyed many fruitful, amazing, blessed years in America. But there really is no guarantee that we will have this for forever. How grounded are you in the rock of ages? Do you believe, willing to hold fast to him and his promises for forever? Stand firm. So here's what he says. Stand, therefore, same word, stand Hold fast, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, in all circumstances, in some circumstances, in the good ones, when you're on the five or above, no, in all circumstances. What's he saying? He's saying when you're in chains, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. He's still speaking to this spiritual warfare that's taken place. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Hear what he's saying is you want the answer to where you're at? this cosmic battle that's taking place over your life 
You want to actually experience real and true freedom? It will have zero to do with your circumstances. It will have everything to do with, are you rooted in the rock of ages? And his truth and his righteousness and his faith. He's going to say, you want to do this, then you and I have to put on the promises of God. That's actually what it is. You have to put on the promises of God. To anchor yourself in everything that God has promised you. To go find it. What has God, what has God promised you in him? These are the most important things for you and I to know. What I knew back in the day was you got to love Jesus with your whole heart because God sent his one and only son, and I know you needed to obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. I knew two things back in the day. What I've discovered from there and beyond there as a leaping point is that there are promises after promises after promises after promises that are irrevocable in Christ. They do not shift or change. Not a promise to make circumstances always great. It's the promise to carry you through no matter what. He's not promising that you that you'll never be in jail. He is promising that he will hold you through it all. And I want to live in that kind of freedom, that ability to stand firm, right? And that's what he says, get anchored in the truth. He starts talking about, he's looking over at this guard. I don't, we, listen, we don't know historically if, if who he was chained to had all the garb on, but we know the guy saw it looking across the way and saying, put on that truth. Let truth wash over you. Yes, righteousness covering you, the righteousness. This is this powerful picture, the righteousness of God covering you. This gospel of peace that God is not my enemy. He is for me. I can't imagine how tempted Paul may have been at times in all of his being shipwrecked and imprisoned and all the things. In fact, actually, he had a prophecy. Jesus actually said to him, I, I will show you what you'll have to suffer for my name's sake. So that's another sermon for another day. I'm sorry I even said that out loud. All right, but do you trust me, Paul? You're never going to see Jerusalem ever again. You won't make it to Spain. I know it's in your heart to get all the way across Europe and take the gospel all the way to the end. It's not going to happen. You get a vision so much bigger. <laughs> this is so good. I hope God gives every one of us a vision so much bigger than anything we could ever actually accomplish. I pray that for this church is that we're so rooted in the freedom that we have in Christ that has nothing to do with our circumstance that we actually believe for things that we could, we'll want to ever be able to see accomplished in our lifetime. Gospel of peace, God's not my enemy, he's my reconciled. The faith that guards me from unbelief, faith, salvation, and the word which is the sword. These are the things that have to live in you, the promises of God. Put on the promises of God. That's what he's saying. Every one of those things, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, every one of those things are the promises of God for you. Meaning this, you have the righteousness of God. Like here, you're sitting here right now, hear this. Jesus is saying, you're a daughter of the most high God. You're a son of the most high God. This is who you are. 
Nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away. No broken thing, no one, two, or three can ever change the fullness of what God has made you and him. So what do we do? We got to tell ourselves the truth. We got to tell ourselves the truth. We got to be anchored in the word of God. Tell yourself the truth all the time. Speak the word of God over yourself all the time. Read it out loud. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. Read it out loud. We actually even used this text last week. Colossians chapter 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Uh, if you and I are going to teach each other in all uh, wisdom and admonishment, then uh, then we got to have it in ourselves. We got to preach it to ourselves. Preach to yourself. Tell it to yourself. Tell yourself the truth over and over and over. Find the rhythm that works for you and tell yourself the truth. And then once you've told yourself the truth, you stand under the truth, you get under the promises, you put on the promises of God and you, re and you uh, tell yourself the truth and we just get to finally rest in the testimony. Rest in the testimony of God's goodness. Rest in it. Experience the kind heart of God. Psalm 16, verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Let's see, I just want to read that again. And Luke, you can come up. We're finished. Psalm 16, 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night, my heart also instructs, instructs me, meaning the Lord is at work even when we're resting. In fact, a couple of us had actually shared this morning that our sleep was, I talked to three people this morning that could get no sleep. Did anybody else not get any sleep last night? Actually, just raise your hand. If you didn't really sleep very well last night, would you just raise your hand? Dang, that's like half the room. So, I have no, there's no doubt in my mind when we do a message on the word of God and the supernatural attempt to destroy you and me by the enemy that he would try to keep you and I in bed this morning. And not coming and not showing up and not entering in. But hear this. You're here right now. You're here right now because God brought you here. You think you drove yourself here. Let me tell you something. You're here because the God of the universe is saying, stand firm. There's an enemy trying to destroy you. And I have you. I have you. And I have you here. And you're four or two or one, that's hard. But I have you and I'm with you and I'm taking you. And there is no threat. What the, the scripture would say it this way. There is literally nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There is no principality that can come against you and destroy who you are in him. There's no shackles that Paul would ever be in that would change God's call on his life. And that's true for him, and it's true for you and me. And I'm preaching this because I, I need to hear it. I need this to go deeper and deeper and deeper into my soul.
and to believe it and to live it. I have set the Lord always before me, verse 8, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Come on. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Let's just decide. And sometimes you need to come in here. You need to lift your hands up. Feels awkward because you grew up where church, you're not supposed to do that. But I just, just throwing that out there is like total side. But get your hands up or get on your knees or whatever's helpful. Let your whole being worship the Lord. You have to do it all the time. You can bring them back down. My flesh also dwells secure. Meaning God cares about your body. He cares about your body. He made you the whole thing. For you'll not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Church, that has nothing to do with circumstances. That has everything to do with you are a child of God. And nothing can steal that from you. You can walk out of this room, head high, looking at him, ready to take on the world. You might be in the one, you might be in the 10, but he is here and ready to give you true freedom in him. You guys stand, we got two minutes. We're gonna put on the armor of God. We have two minutes left to put on the armor of God and you're gonna carry it with you the rest of the day. Hold it, carry it. If you feel comfortable, put your hands out to be clothed with the whole armor of God. It's what he says to you. You don't have to do this, but I wanna encourage you to be clothed in the whole armor of God. Lord, we fasten around us truth. Right now, receive the truth of what God says about you. What does he declare? What is he saying? What's his truth? Receive it right now. Would you just ask him? What's your truth? I want it. Now, Lord, clothe us in righteousness. Come on. You need in your heart, I want you to say, I am righteous because of you. Come on. I'm righteous. I am holy. I'm holy because of you. Now, make my heart ready with the gospel of peace. I am not an enemy, I'm not an enemy of you. You made me yours. I'm your friend. That's what Jesus said. I don't call you servant. I call you friend. That's the gospel. Now, give me fresh faith for the journey ahead to believe you. Fresh faith. Let me believe. Help my unbelief. If you've got an area that you're not believing in, don't have shame. Take it to the Lord and ask him to heal you. Don't get locked down in toxic shame because your faith is weak. Tell the author of faith, I need fresh faith right now. Ask him. He's the good father. He gives it right now. 
Thank you for saving me. Salvation. Declare it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can do it right now. If you've not followed Jesus and asked him to be Lord, King, and Savior of your life, ask him right now, save me, save me, save me. Take my sin. Make me whole. Save me. For you that are in Christ, I I am saved. I am redeemed. I am restored. That's who I am. Nothing changes that about me. Not one circumstance changes that about me. I'm saved. And now, Lord, equip me with your word. Help me. Ask him for hunger for the word. That's what we're asking for. Hunger for the word. Hunger. Word and prayer. Let me talk to you in the morning, in the evening, in the midday. Anchor us in your truth and your word so that we can walk in freedom. We love you, God. We need you. We receive your promises. Right now, everything you just asked for is a promise of his in Christ. You receive it and walk in it. I thank you, God. If you need prayer, we're up here to pray. We'll have some prayer partners here. We love you so much. Thank you for being a part of this series with us. I'm gonna pray over us as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace because he's good. He's a father and he sees. And we trust you, God. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Love you guys. Prayer partners down front.